Ladies and gentlemen, this is the one and only Small World Soccer Report, and it's coming to you through video for the first time ever. This is Danny, as always, bringing you Small World in podcast form, and it is my great pleasure to introduce to you who you can already see on your screen, actually, unless you're listening through our uh, podcasting service. This is Dennis Crowley of Kingston Stockade FC. Dennis, welcome to the show, lending a little star power this morning. Hey, thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, cannot cannot wait uh, to uh, to hear your thoughts on on some of the uh, lower league soccer content that's been happening this week. Um, and we'll get to you and and Stockade uh, in a minute, but definitely want to hit that super heavily this week because um, you guys are doing some awesome things. Uh, but we have to start. We have to start with weirdness of the week. This is small world. Where else can we go? It's Weirdness is what we do. Uh, and so you guys were actually at the center of, of one of our weirdness topics. Uh, NPSL Classics has been kind of running throughout the summer. Uh, and so for those who do not know, uh, NPSL Classics was kind of a series of uh, games that the NPSL decided to bring back on MyCujo and, and restream over the years. And you guys were in one of those games. What? Tell us a little bit about that process and like how you figured out you were going to play in that game like and it was interesting because it was a three nil win it wasn't a very like classic game in the sense of like it was this nail biter and somebody scored last minute like you guys dominated that game yeah you know boston has always been a tough rival for us and you know really since um since the club's been around they've always been a handful and so i believe that was the first time that we ever beat boston um at at home and we 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 were having a great season um team was performing was performing really well uh and you know initially i think what's interesting is when we were we internally at the club were talking about oh they're going to air this um you know this match of of us at Boston. I think there was a typo in the first email. So it's like, wait, it's they're going to air the game of us playing at Boston. That wasn't a great game. And and we, we lost. That was two years ago. We had to go back and check our notes. And then, it, we, you know, right before it aired, we were like, oh, wait, actually, this is the one at home. Uh, and uh, this is a great game. This is a, the stands were packed. We beat Boston. Um, you know, it's, it's, it, it's always fun to kind of relive some of those moments, especially because you're not, you're not even, like, I haven't been to the stadium at all this season. You know, like I haven't kicked a ball with another human in you know like two two months. So it's it's just nice to relive it to that. Yeah, no, and that, that's a great point because the stadium was like full, and yeah, the it was fantastic. Uh, obviously, the the energy on the pitch was fantastic too, but the support was excellent as it was the entire season. Um, but you're right, that was an awesome game. Uh, as far as the atmosphere goes and as far as how the fans were responding, it was fun. And Small World actually got to present that match. Uh, so they reached out to, to, I guess, all of NPSL's media partners, which Small World happens to be one. Uh, and they assigned us all these different uh, NPSL classic games. And I was like, oh, that's crazy because Boston City was one of the first clubs that ever followed us. Like We happened to be like in a conversation with them uh, about something that was going on. Uh, and so they were like our third follower all the way back in August. They're, they're a good club. They've got good owners and good coaches. Uh, it's always been a good rival for us. They have good fans. It's a good, it's competitive, but there's a good friendly banter between their fans and our fans. Um, 
And so that's always, you know, it's always a big, a big match for us um, when Boston comes up here. And then I always make the trek back to Boston, um, you know, to watch us play on the road. Right. Yeah. No, you need that banter too, like something to kind of hold on to that's fun that the the fans can have a, a rival and and like you said, it's good natured, but just that element of this match means more to us. It's yeah, that's cool. one of the best things I think about the NPSL and just about like lower level soccer in general. Like a lot of people will have, you know, they'll, they'll cheer for the national team. Maybe they'll have an MLS team that they that they root for as well. Um, but you know, for a lot of folks, like in in smaller markets, you know, that's like the their NPSL team is 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 like their go their go to team, and so people get super super passionate about it. And we see this when we play, you know, when we play Boston. We see this when we play Hartford. Um, uh, it, you know, there's it, it, it's always a handful of teams, especially in, in our in our conference, uh, that that just have like amazing uh, supporters groups. And you know, it's like one of the best best parts of the league, in my opinion. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I definitely agree. Uh, just those fan bases getting to interact—that's that's really the cool part of soccer as a whole. But like you said, especially at lower levels, that's rare to be yeah. able to have that kind of interaction and to have enough fans where that can be a meaningful interaction. You know, it's it's clubs like you guys, and you mentioned Hartford too. That they have a fantastic supporters group too. Uh, but really, all up and down that whole uh new york kind of uh really the whole new england area there's a lot of cool clubs up there um, yeah so many period. fans all throughout the country and there's there's such a yeah. limited number of of mls teams right and so you know you look at rhode island and you know Lowell, massachusetts and and boston city plays in revere mass which is you know outside of boston um, but people people want to see high quality matches, right? Yeah. And, and so a lot of people like an MLS team is like an hour drive away or, or more than that. You know, where we are in Kingston, you want to drive down and see NYCFC play or see the Red Bulls play. That's a that's a two hour two hour trip, two hour plus. Um, right. So you know, to have a local team that plays at a at a competitive and a high level is a is a big boom for the um, you know, for the sport and for the fans and, and people you know really get into it. Yeah. No, and it's a source of pride, too, I think. Like, just that element of, this is my team in my yeah. city. It's not the overarching, like, I have to share this with all of whatever bigger metro area. Like, this is yep. the for my area. That's, yeah. That's we see a lot of that in Kingston, for sure. You see a lot of people walking around with hats and shirts and stickers on their cars. And, you know, people just, people love it, right? People really, like, gravitate and identify to it. And so it's been such a drag this summer where, um, you know, that's like, it's missing from, it's missing from my life where like, I love organizing, I love bringing people together. And, you know, every time I run into town to go to the grocery store or get a coffee or something, um, you know, cause we're just starting to open back up again, um, you know, up here in the, in the Hudson Valley. And people always mention, it's like, oh man, I wish we could go to a game. I, I, I so wish we, we could, get, I have a game to look forward to on Saturday. It's like, I know, I know. Next season, you know, we'll be back next season though. Yeah, yeah, I know it is tough. Like that's just that's all you can offer people right now is next season. But there is there's a gaping hole in the hearts of all of us who are soccer fans. And yeah. you know, actually, a fantastic unplanned segue uh, into our next piece of weirdness, and that is uh, around protagonist soccer. So I'm sure you're very familiar with protagonists and and what they do. Um, they have been covering lower league soccer. They're the lower league soccer OGs. If if we're that's that's probably the easiest way to put it. If you don't know who protagonist soccer is and you're listening to this, what are you doing? What literally just go figure out who protagonist is and then listen to the rest of the podcast. 
but uh, they put out an article pretty recently that I loved uh, and I felt really related uh, to small world situation as well. And it was all about the return to play um, mm -hmm. and how there's this conundrum as soccer media outlets that cover soccer and that's our entire job. But there's also this moral compass of how do we feel about these clubs returning in a time when it may not be the right decision to do so. You know, where, where do we have to draw the line of we can't cover this. It's morally against what we want to do. So it was it was a fantastic view. And Dan Vaughn, the uh, editor out there, a protagonist, is a fantastic writer, um, fantastic human being, too, from my interactions with him. And I don't know if you've read that uh, article, but it was just a fantastic view into just the two-sided nature of that um, and, and how the return to soccer isn't going to be covered as easily as it would seem you know it's like oh look soccer's back we're gonna cover it now you know there's there's a moral element to it also yeah yeah it, well i mean it's like different um you know different leagues are taking different approaches right so it's interesting to see the bundesliga coming back and you know seeing all the you know all the different things you could do to try to simulate fans in the crowd right and then to have the premier league coming back um you know, I think MLS is is on the schedule to come back in, in July, I think is, I can't remember what the exact date is. And then, you know, the MPSL, we canceled our season relatively, let's say relatively early. It had to be like the end of, end of March, beginning of, beginning of April, um, which is yeah. a, a tough decision. But um, you gotta remember like people people are planning, like you, you gotta, like they're, they're, they're buying stuff, they're reserving stadiums, they're, they're, you know, you gotta spend capital in order to, to make the, the team run. And so it was a challenging decision to, um, you know, go ahead and say, listen, we're going to have to, um, you're going to have to cancel the season. We're, a lot of what we were doing was based off of USASA. We play under USASA, which is part of the US soccer pyramid and the, the federation. And, and they were suspended too. So there wasn't too much we could do. Um, but yeah, it's just, it, it's tricky. And every, every league has different decisions to make. You know, regional leagues can look at it differently than a national league can. Um, you know, where there, there is more travel, the crowds might be bigger. And, you know, ultimately it comes down to what, what's the most responsible thing to do, not just for the, you know, players, but for the, for the fans, for the people that gather and want, and want to get together. Yeah, no, I think that idea is important that it's not just one cookie cutter response for every league in every situation, because like you said, it's, it's situational. It's dependent on a lot of different variables and different leagues, even at the same level. Uh, even comparing across the same uh, like imaginary tier of lower league soccer, the challenges are a lot different depending on the league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And plus, we we have a we have a, a short season, right? And so the thinking was, well, what what's it going to be like in June? Right? I just I was just looking at my calendar a minute ago, and I was noticing like, gosh, the the, the playoffs would have normally been coming up in like two weeks for us. And it, it kind of breaks my heart, right? Because like we, we never announced our schedule. We never got to the point where we released it. Like, yeah. I caught up in all things COVID and, and other things. But, you know, I have all the games still in my calendar, like penciled in. Yeah. And so every time, every week, I'm like, oh, we were, we were supposed to play Hartford. Oh, we had a Wednesday game versus Boston. You know, like, oh, that would have been so great. And, um, you know, I don't know. Just, no, I, I had <laughs> the same thing. I keep getting really depressed. I, I still am like old school. I have a handwritten schedule. So I took all the time. I mean, back in, like you were saying, before the PSL canceled, like in March, when USL League 2 was coming out, when 
then PSL schedule finally came out. It was a little bit later than I wanted it to be, but it did come out. Uh, and I was, I just remember being so excited writing those dates down. And it was like almost a match day a week, you know, with MLS games included, with championship games. There's a lot of soccer here in the Atlanta area. And it was like four or five games a week that I was going to be able to go do. And obviously yeah. now it's zero games a week. But it's it's yeah. very sad to look back through those schedules and be like, oh, man, that would have been a fun one. Like, yeah. man, that I was looking forward to that one. But, well, it'll be even more exciting next year, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, that it's, you know, the, the, everyone's fear is like, oh, everyone's going to forget about our club and we're going to lose all our momentum. But I think there's just all this pent-up demand. People, people want to go to the matches. People want something to cheer for. People want to get together and experience things. Yeah, no, I sure hope so. And I, I, that, that makes a lot more sense to me as well, because I have, have a fair that argument like, oh, man, it's just they're not going to be able to recover. And it, again, it's situational. There, there are clubs that do really depend on that like momentum of having been in your face and having reminded you of their existence again and again and again. And that's kind of how they operate and get their support. But I think a lot of others, they've created a brand and, and yeah. something that really have a desire for and I mean obviously you know a lot about that outside of the soccer world uh, and we'll, we'll get to that later too but just the idea that like th this especially stockade is a brand that people care about and are going to go support whenever it's back and so like you said that pent-up demand it's it's going to be awesome <laughs> when we finally do get back it's going to be awesome yeah yeah no and I, I think you're hitting on a good point where you know there, there's a difference between people come out because they want to see you know, two teams play and, uh, and, you know, people come out because they, they want to be a part of the crowd. They want to be a part of community. They want to support the players. And, um, you know, I think it's those clubs that it's not just like building a brand. It's more like building a, building a community, right? Building a deeper meaning behind, you know, win, win or lose or what's the score or play for 90 minutes. It's more about like, Hey, this is the thing that you do to get out and be together with everyone else. And then to, you know, support the region and, and um, you know, support local vendors and, you know, just it's just a, a, a thing you want to experience. And I think we, we've been fortunate to, to build one of those clubs that people, um, you know, will come out rain or shine um, any day of the week just because they, they, they want to be they want to be a part of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and so we'll hit we'll hit on one more piece of weirdness um, before we get into more about Stockade. Uh, and this one is very intriguing to me. I wish we had more information about it. Uh, and I don't know if you've heard, but the UPSL has been acquired by something called ELP Brands, uh, which I guess is a Florida-based uh, company with apparently a lot of capital at their disposal. And yeah. they have, they've just purchased the entire UPSL. Um, and it, they've been a bit cryptic. Uh, both sides have been about what... <laughs> the move is going to mean there's been a lot of speculation what do we think is going to happen to the upsl does it grow a lot does it does it try to incorporate other leagues with pro rel do we see just a, a a higher quality with with more money involved or is this literally just a money grab for the elp brands and we don't see any improvement uh, wh what are your thoughts on this dennis when did when did this deal get announced i to be honest i haven't even heard of it Okay, it was within like a couple of weeks. I think two weeks ago, we it went out and we everybody was just kind of like, "What? What is? Okay, that's that's cool. What does it mean though?" So UPSL announced it, um, and it went out on on one of their uh, uh, news uh, pages on their website, 
And it basically was a, a kind of a, a cookie cutter announcement that said, you know, ESL, EP, eh, ELP Brands has acquired EPSL and, and talked about both entities, stuff that, that we already knew. Um, but then it really didn't go into any depth as far as why the move happened, you know, what the future plans were. And since then, I have not heard anything uh, that clarifies it any further. So uh, I really, I think we're all kind of in the dark, but assuming, and this is a, a very uh, positive assumption, uh, but assuming that this is a, a move from ELP that's actually designed to improve the league, uh, I, I think it's exciting. I think UPSL, as big as it is, that that is a, an influx of cash that would certainly help them improve the quality to to go with the quantity yeah i you know i haven't read too much about it like i'm as you're talking i'm just kind of you know googling the press release and, and reading it yeah um, you know I, like i like the i like the fact that the upsl has a has a large footprint i mean i think there's there's a couple hundred clubs there versus the mpsl that hovers around you know 90 or 100 clubs um and you know, more clubs across the country is is obviously better. Um, yeah. You know, there's always conversations about how do you get all these leagues working together? How do you how do you take the the best uh, the the best clubs from the UPSL? How do you bring them into the NPSL? You know, as clubs perform in the NPSL, how do they move to somewhere else? Right? Like that was a really interesting journey that the NPSL has been on over the last couple of years, where you saw you know clubs like Detroit and Chattanooga. Um, you know, move up, move up to NISA. So there is kind of this gradual progression, which I think has been UPSL to NPSL to somewhere else. Although it's not an it's not an official thing. Like you don't you know you don't win your promotion. Uh, you know, you you decide. Hey, I think my budget can afford. Um, or I think my, my my budget will allow us to travel uh, on on a you know uh, overnight trips or get on a plane every now and then. And so that's really the catalyst from jumping from one league to the next. I think whether it's UPSL to NPSL or NPSL to NISA or, or NISA to, to something else. Um, you know, this is, this is the whole, like, you know, you could talk about this for 10 hours. Oh yeah. How do you, you know, is there a, is there a better structure, you know, so it's not, it's not when an owner is wealthy enough to afford to make the jump, but rather when a team has proven, that it is, you know, capable and competent on the field, uh, and maybe so much so that it needs to play in a higher division, and that there's some right, financial right. assistance for the, the teams that do that. And that yeah. would certainly be nice, wouldn't it, to to actually have some some merit-based promotion uh, within within our American soccer leagues. And like you said, we could talk about it for so long. There's there's so much you can delve into. I need to start a podcast just purely for talking pro role with people. Well, just just before we move off that topic, I mean, what, what's interesting is like, you know, th this this conversation starts with like, well, there's a league called UPSL. One one person owned it, and he's and he sold the league to uh, to another entity, and now it's like, well, what's what's the plan? What was the vision before? Is the vision different now? Is this is that league going to be you know more open to working, less open to working? Like it's so it's so fragmented that like there's. You know, anytime it feels like there's a little bit of momentum, some something happens, uh, and then the whole landscape is is switched, right? And so, like, you know, it, you know, I'll I'll learn a little bit more about this after I get off the podcast. But like, you know, UPSL getting bought, or um, you know, the the NASL going away, or um, you know, the, you know, leagues leagues come and go, and it's it just 
it it's just creates all this instability and anxiety yeah. for, for teams and it's just not helping. yeah no and that's exactly what we don't want you know is that instability that's like that's that's exactly what's going to allow lower league clubs to continue being great and to continue to improve is stability and we just like you said we don't have it yet we yeah do not have it yet because single actions will just kind of take us two steps backward when we when we made one forward but uh but yeah so hopefully hopefully thinking again very positively here elp brands has the uh the intention and the ability to create more stability in the upsl that would certainly be cool yeah maybe we'll have this discussion a year from now we'll, we'll debate even further i hope so i hope so I'm looking forward to that get on the schedule uh, but, uh, but yeah, so now we're going to transition into our segment known as who dis, uh, which is all about stockade FC. So, uh, Dennis, this is, this is essentially just your time to tell us a little bit about who stockade is for those who do not know, um, what motivated you to start stockade for, and some may not be familiar with, uh, the work you've done on medium to kind of outline financially what what it took for you to make your club happen and then kind of there where you describe a little bit more about why uh, you started Stockade. Just kind of run through that super briefly for us and, and give us an idea of who Stockade is. Yeah, so we started the club in late 2015. We played our first season in 2016. Uh, this would have been our, our fifth season if, uh, you know, if COVID wasn't here, it wasn't canceled. Um, the team is based in Kingston, New York. Uh, which is in a part of New York called the Hudson Valley. It's about two hours north of uh, about of New York City. And my, my wife and I, we split our time between you know being in the city and, and being and being up here too. Um, Kingston's a pretty small town; it's about 20,000 20, people. Um, so it wasn't like a super obvious thing to try to put a soccer team here. But you know, our philosophy, our thinking was like, hey, we we live here. I would love to go see a match. I wish there was a team to go see. There is no team. I wonder why someone hasn't made one. Uh, I guess I'll just go out and make it. And, you know, I'm kind of the least qualified person to put together a soccer team. Um, I'm not uh, a particularly skilled player. I didn't play in high school or college. I only picked up the game like 10 years ago, and I'm usually the worst person on the pitch. Um, but I like to play. I like to watch. You know, my, my other job is building uh, technology companies, um, and so I'm, gener I'm pretty pretty good at bringing people together and, and getting things built and working through a checklist and stuff. And so you know, we we put the we put the club together. You know, um, the the roster is a mix of uh, it's uh, like college guys and, and unpaid amateurs. Uh, so we're not we're not a pro team. Uh, we don't pay folks on the roster. Um, the coaching staff is is compensated. The rest of the club is all volunteers. Uh, we played a stadium a stadium called Deets Stadium, uh, which is you know the, our local. It's, to be honest, it's a, little, it's a little rundown. It's like a stadium from the 1950s that hasn't been renovated in a long time. Uh, you know, turf field, uh, fo American football lines on it. But you know, on some of our home games, we, we pack it. We've gotten 1,400 people in that stadium, which is you know people like you know packed in really really tight uh we average maybe 900 fans a game which is great we just started getting food and um food vendors and beer vendors were one of the you know first people in this air like in kingston to be able to get those permits at that stadium which has been great yeah. and um you know that it's just it's just been like a it's just a super it's a super fun project and it's super fun for me 
because it's totally analog. Like the rest of my life is all like doing Zoom calls and, and Slack and emails and stuff. And this is about like getting people together and kind of being off your phone and, and enjoying, and, you know, enjoying the atmosphere. Um, but like it, it is, it's like you're getting people together. And I think the thing that really, um, the part that's been most rewarding to me is just seeing how much it means like to the community overall, but like also just like to the kids, right? And so you have all these kids that show up at the matches. You might have 200 kids at every match and they want to get autographs every game. We hear from the parents all the time how like they're hooked on soccer. They look up to these players. All they want to do is play now. You know, like they weren't into sports before, but now all they want to do is run around. Um, like that, that I, I, I love that. Cause like I got this philosophy that like, you know, hey, the, the only way that the U.S. ends up winning the World Cup is like when every American really cares about soccer and supports it and plays. You get a larger player pool. People don't drop out to play other sports. Um, and, you know, I feel like Kingston is is an example of one of, of 1,000 or 10,000 types of clubs that the, that the U.S. needs. And, you know, which, which leads me to... Um, you know, after we put the club together, we said, hey, like, it, the last thing you want to be is just another lower level soccer club. Like, let's right, let's right. do everything we're doing and let's do a good job at it. But then let's also write about how we did it and why we did it and why we made certain decisions and what worked and what didn't and how much it cost and, and what we spent too much on and, and what surprised us and you know, what we wasted money on. And just like, let's spell all the pitfalls out for people so that people can look and see, hey, this is how much it costs. This is what you're getting yourself into. It's super fun and super rewarding. It's a lot of work. Uh, it costs a bunch of money, but we think it's all worth it. Here's the roadmap. You do it. And right. you know, what's also been rewarding is that uh, you see people, you know, around around the country. I hear from people all the time that uh, like, hey, I, I started a club because I saw that you did it, and you know, I I, saw, I had some visibility into how easy or how hard or how much work it was going to be. And you know, pe people cite that as like this is the thing that got me from. Not doing it to doing it, and that that's 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 great. Um, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. It, I I love that feeling of just having somebody tell you like, man, you were the person who or, or your work inspired me to do this. Like that's that's one of the best feelings. I, I feel like that's those are the kind of things that I live for. To feel like I I had some kind of purpose, I guess. But uh, yeah, to yeah. apply that to lower league soccer is awesome. <laughs> but yes, that's I just. Just that whole idea that you took the time and the effort, because that's a lot more time and effort to literally just detail and write about the entirety of uh, all of your expenses over the year, why you made those expenses, what just the thought process behind all of yeah. it. You just totally un unmasked the whole process because it's it's a very concealed process for whatever reason. It's it's people's finances, you know. Like it's just yeah. you you don't share that in a normal situation. So it was very cool that you took all that time and effort and and were willing to do that uh, and, and like you said we've we've seen that just for ordinary people that have really benefited from seeing that who have kind of pondered and just didn't know enough to be able to actually do it themselves and and now they are so it's it's yeah. that's a really cool project it's, it's worth noting that like when we published you know i published the first one which didn't have any numbers in it, it was more like hey we made a club i'm gonna tell you about it you know it's like kind of the the you know, the origin story of the club. And then it was after the first season I published that really long thing of all the numbers. And I remember going to the NPSL owners meeting and people are like, what are you doing, man? Publishing all these numbers. You're going to scare people off from the league. And I'm like, no, 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 no. This is going to show people, this is a blueprint for how to make a club. 
And people will look at this and they'll say, yeah, I, I can do this. This will result in, in better, more and higher quality clubs over time because people will understand the time and financial commitment that's required to, to make a quality club. And, and I kind of think that's, that's what's happened. And so it was a rather controversial thing at first. Uh, you know, at least I, I ran, you know, some people that were like, I don't know if you should have done that. And, you know, now it's just in hindsight seems obvious. And, you know, like I had started two other companies before this and I never documented the process. And I always regretted not doing it. And I always said, like, hey, if I ever do another thing after Foursquare, I, I want to document it from from day one. You know, so you, you capture kind of the feeling and the motion and the emotions of like the, the the early parts of the ride, which is like the, the craziest part of it. And um, you know that, which is which is why I sat down and wrote. It took me freaking forever to write it, but like that's why I kind of got in the in the rhythm of doing it. Now, and I haven't written a post like that in like two years, and yeah, I was really pissed off. I didn't do it last year. Like my wife and I have had two. We've had two kids since we started the club, oh, and man. it's taken up a lot of time. Right. And so like the, yeah. the free time I used to have to like just sit and write for hours, like now I'm like putting the kids to bed and I want to take a nap after that because it's exhausting on its own. Um, but I, I really I want to do another one about like, hey, what does it mean for our club in, um, in in COVID? Right. How much money did we lose by not playing? So that, that, would be, that seems like it's worthy. No, because that's really the question on everybody's mind. And like we've already talked about, it's going to be different for different clubs, but just to have a, an but any kind of guess in the region of what most clubs are dealing with, it, it would be super insightful for a lot of people following uh, the sport at this yeah. level. Um, and insightful to know, like, how, what's it going to take for them to come back? What what did it take for them to make the right choice and decide not to play? You know, there's there's a lot of questions that gets answered through through something like that. So that that would be very cool. I will personally be on the lookout for that. Hope to hope that comes out at some point. Yeah, thank, um, thanks for the nudge. I'll make a note. Again, I really should just bang that out and try to try to do that. I, you really, you you legitimately should. I would be very excited uh, to read that. But yeah, no, that's that's awesome. Just the entire idea of creating the club just because there was a need for it, and not because you felt qualified to fill it, but just because you saw that it could be filled and you just made it happen. I, I've heard that or some some variants of that story from just about everybody I've talked to. You know, they were like, well, there's this gap and I don't know if I really have the time or the resources or the the qualification to do it, but heck, I'm just going to do it because I can. And yeah. it works out and it becomes this awesome club that people care about. Um, so it's it's a really cool essence that this community has, I think. Um, and it's it's cool to see that from you. Also, side note, thank you so much for being the first person I've had on here that wasn't like this soccer phenom growing up. And they're like, oh yeah, I started playing when I was three. I'm like, dude, whatever, man. I, I was, I'm also trash at actual soccer. I love to watch it, love to follow it, but I, I'm terrible on the pitch. Like you, I'm, I'm probably the worst one on any pitch that I step foot on. Um, but yes, that, I, I needed that self-esteem boost. Yeah, that, it's funny. The guy's are always like, hey, come out and train with us. Like, hey, <laughs> dude, you, should, you should sign up for open tryouts. And I'm like, guys, I, I kind of want to preserve this this um, this imaginary view you have of me of being like an epic player. And like the moment they see a first touch, they're like, oh, what a joker. Yes. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> the, the more you don't 
say anything or or show anything about uh, about your quality. You can. Yeah, you can I go, I go out of my way to stay away from the from the ball and game days, like as to not disappoint the players. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. But yes, yeah, no, that's awesome. Love, love that window into what Stockade's doing. Uh, but we're going to hit Small World score sheet just because we can for the first time in a very long time. The first time ever since the podcast has been running. Uh, so we're going to just take a look at some scores around the uh, lower league soccer verse. And there are a few. Uh, so UWS on the women's side, uh, they are kind of a, a WPSL level equivalent uh, for those who don't know. Uh, and they have a, a secondary league under them. That's called the UWS League Two, uh, and so that league is underway. Uh, and so the very first match of the season was between uh, Unity FC, a club that uh, Small World is uh, is pretty connected with. We're good friends with them. They took a a pretty nice dub this week with a four-one win over Orlando FC Royals. So that was exciting. Um, a, a good. Good opportunity to see women's soccer back. Uh, I know that there's there's been a lot of controversy recently over NWSL, uh, and they were planning to come back. That was supposed to happen like this weekend. As far as we know, it still is, but the Orlando representative, Orlando Pride, has withdrawn because like six or seven of their players uh, tested positive. So they are all quarantining and not playing. So that's, that's just a whole scenario. But it's cool to see, uh, at a lower level, of course, not, not the same level of, of interest and, and quality of play but still it's it, it's very cool to see women's soccer back when men's soccer is getting all the attention of oh are they coming back are they coming back should they be yeah, yeah. it I, I think we we miss those leagues that are that are also at a high quality level and it also matter quite a bit yeah there was an interesting article in the new york times over the weekend and it's just like a hundred days with no sports. Like, what does what does that do for the U.S. and and what does that look like if it extends into the fall? If it extends into collegiate seasons, you know, if the NFL doesn't doesn't come back, like that's like a lot of the stuff is like a big part of American culture and, and oh yeah self self identity of individuals and communities and you know like you know we were kind of talking about that earlier. Like, I go to the coffee shop and and people will just stop me on the street and be like, oh, I'm so bummed that we can't go to a match, right? And, you know, the small town in Kingston, never mind, like, you know, New England Patriots can't play. What does that do for the greater New England area, and how does that make people feel? Um, yeah. I mean, sports are sports are important. <laughs> sports are part of people's lives, and it, it's super weird not to have it. I know, yeah, and that's this has been a very interesting experiment for how important sports really are in our culture and in our world. Like, it, it means... A lot. I think I think we didn't realize how much it means until until we lost it. And that's that's how it is with anything. You know, you don't realize quite what you have until it's gone. But it is it is very interesting to see how much we've lost as we've lost sports. Like it's it's a lot more than the entertainment of it for sure. It's it's a whole industry. Yeah. But yeah. yes. Yeah. Yeah. That being said, congratulations, Unity FC. It's a nice nice four one win to uh, get the season started strong. And then the UPSL is also underway in a few different areas. Uh, and in fact, three very different areas of the country. We're playing in Florida, we're playing in Texas, and they're also playing in Alaska, because why not? Yeah. Um, so the, uh, in, in Florida, uh, Florida Tropics, which again, uh, big, big fans of Florida Tropics at Small World, uh, they uh, had a nil-nil draw against uh, Celtic Gunners. 
in the uh, Southeast Florida division. Uh, that uh, come on, Florida Tropics. I don't know what y'all are doing. That is that is not exciting enough for me. Uh, gotta gotta see some goals from y'all. Uh, but but not a bad way to start the season. Uh, in the Southeast Florida Central Division, because this is how confusing it gets. Uh, Royal Palms SC was in action, uh, which is a, a small world favorite as well. They did end up losing 4-3 to FK Orlando. Uh, uh, side note, don't have any idea what FK stands for. Uh, they just spell club with a K. I don't know. Um, but whatever FK is, they beat Royal Palms, so we hate them now. Uh, moving to Texas uh, in the UPSL Central South Division, uh, Greenspoint Gunners. They were uh, a fixture in the Lower League E-Cup. I don't know if, if you followed that at all, Dennis, but uh, Greenspoint did pretty well in, in the E-Cup. They have not performed nearly as well in actual soccer. They've lost 4 to Houston FC. They have to hit the Atlantic League. Uh, the UPSL last frontier division, which is fantastic. Uh, Alaska Timbers, which is a uh, Portland Timbers affiliate, they won 4-1 over Arctic Rush, uh, which is an excellent name. It makes me think of like a, a river in Alaska or something. Arctic Rush. I don't know. But uh, the Arctic Rush was not up to par uh, as Alaska Timbers beat them 4-1. Uh, looking having even more scores to bring you over the coming weeks. But I was very excited that we could actually do that. With that... No, good. A good taste of uh, yeah. uh, bringing stuff back to normal. Yeah, yes, that's right. that's right. At least a little. Um, but yes, indeed. All right. So as as we start to uh, uh, think about wrapping things up, uh, real quickly, just for a couple minutes, uh, I like to get to know you a little bit more, Dennis. Uh, and I think a lot of us know you as a tech startup guy. Uh, probably a lot of us know Foursquare. Uh, if don't, I mean, maybe some people haven't connected the dots. That's that's you who founded it. Uh, but and I know we've talked a little bit about how you didn't feel super qualified uh, mm -hmm. to run a soccer club. But uh, going off of that, like, what's your soccer story? When did you first kind of realize you enjoyed it, and and how has that led into starting Stockade? Oh, that's a that's a great question. Um, you know, it was. 2010 it was 2010 when the um the world cup was in south africa and like i was about a year into foursquare it was like the the knee-deep like super crazy part of starting the, the company and you know like all my buddies and i in new york like we would go to the bars to see the usa play and um you know they just read they just aired this game again last night usa versus algeria um, yeah. I think it was, it was the recast. I didn't get to see it on TV again, but, um, you know, it, it was on again last night, but we, we were watching that in a bar in New York city, a soccer bar called Slancha and, you know, landed, landed on scores. I, I can't remember if it was extra time, extra time or what, what, what the, what the, in the last minutes of the game. Um, yeah. Yeah. Bar goes crazy. All my friends are there. Everyone's jumping all over each other. You know, there's a pig pile on the floor, beer spills everywhere. And one of our buddies, my buddy Randy, was like, we got to start a team. We got to all play together. And then it was like the next day, I mean, everyone's had like 10 beers. And the ne next day, you know, someone signed us up to play in a, a local league in the city. And, you know, like Metro Soccer or something. These leagues in, in New York City are competitive. Like you'll get 
the entire team that used to play together at Villanova will join like a, a seven okay. on seven squad. And so yeah, like, Dennis, yeah. you're going to play. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to play. I'm like, I, I haven't played since I was like five years old on the green team of whatever <laughs> rec league there was. And so you know, they start me in right back and I'm just like, I have no business being on this field. I don't know what I'm doing. I kind of not even familiar with like s some of the rules in terms of how aggressive to be and whatnot. And, uh, you know, I just, I was, it was embarrassing. It was probably embarrassing for at least a year or so. And, you know, I just kind of settled into my position at right back and gradually got a little bit more comfortable with the ball. My brother played in high school. You know, he, he would take me to the, you know, the, the, uh, we go to the park together in Brooklyn and he would like, you know, kind of teach me some basic foot skills and stuff. Um, yeah. And just, pa you know, passing and dribbling and moving with the ball. And, I, you know, that, that's kind of, and I, I was whatever, tw like 32 when I picked up the game. 30 or whatever, you know, wow. and so wow. it, late, late in life, but that, that kind of got me into it. And then my brother and I, we went to that year, we, we, um, we decided just to go to a last minute trip to South Africa. We went to the, went to the world cup. We saw four oh, matches yeah, yeah, and the quarters and the semis. And that was my first time ever going to a world cup. And I remember we touched, we, we touched, touched down in Johannesburg in South Africa. We stayed at kind of this like pretty sh shitty hotel is the last thing we could get. And then we, we walked into town <laughs> Like, you know, 20 minutes after getting, putting our bags down, and we just went to like the soccer village in, in Joburg and, you know, just to see all these people from all over the world, everyone wearing flags, everyone with scarves around their heads, just like celebrating their country, celebrating their teams. And I was like, this is, this is awesome. This is like the best thing I've ever seen in sports because um, it was it was global and it was just people from all over the world. And I just kind of fell in love with it from that point on. And then I just started paying attention, you know, to, to everything. Um, yeah. And, you know, it was eight, eight years later that we, we started the club. And, and to be honest, like another part of the, the club story is, you know, we, we were after playing one of these games one night, you know, six, six seven years after the club was started. We, you know, we were out in a bar in Brooklyn called Angry Wades. And we were there being like, what would have to happen? For our team, our team was called Alphabet City, Alphabet City Soccer Club. What would have to happen for Alphabet City to play the Red Bulls? And everyone kind of knew, yeah, yeah, yeah. well, like there's the U.S. Open Cup, and that's where big teams play small teams. But like, what actually has to happen? Like, how do we go from seven guys to 11 guys to a team that could actually qualify for the Open Cup? And then, you know, I remember we went to, I went to work the next day at a slow day at work, and I kind of fell down the Wikipedia rabbit hole that is like, you know, lower level soccer. And then the next time we went out for beers, I'm like, listen, there's this, there's a couple lower level leagues. There's one called the NPSL. We could get Alphabet City in the, in the NPSL. We replace us with real players and we could qualify for the Open Cup. And those guys are like, you're crazy. That's never going to happen. And I just had that idea stuck in my head for like a year. And I was on my porch at the, at the house here in Kingston. And I was like, you know what we do? We start a club up here. And that's how we qualify for the U.S. Open Cup. Yeah, it's not yeah. it's not Alphabet City that does it. It's a new club. What are we going to call it? We'll call it, we'll, you know, Kingston. All this stuff came together weeks later. Kingston Stockade. We'll play at Deep Stadium. We'll be in the NPSL. We'll play in the North Atlantic. We'll have to beat the Cosmos. We'll have to beat Brooklyn Italians. And, right, you know, right. that we did it. Like, we set a five-year goal for our club where it's like, we want to qualify for the U.S. Open Cup within the first five years of having this team. And people are like, that's bananas. You'll never do it. And we did it on the third year. We, we made it to the Open Cup. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. It's incredibly satisfying. We go and we play the Rough Riders in Long Island. Yeah. We got a yeah. way draw, which I thought sucked. 
Um, but we, we played out Long Island. It was a hell of a match. Um, I want to say the score was 6-2 to two at the end of it, but it was tied up until it was called the 85th minute when the wheels fell off the bus for us. Um, but, man, what, a, what an experience. And now I'm talking like a mile a minute because it got me super excited. And all, all anyone wants to do is get back to the Open Cup. Right. Like, yeah, we want to play. Yes, we want to play in Kingston. Yes, we want to have a great season. Yes, we want to bring the food trucks back. Yes, we want to inspire the kids. But you talk to the coaches, you talk to the, you know, this, the, the folks that work in scouting, you talk to the volunteers, you talk to the players. It's like, get us back in the cup. Let's get back in the cup. So I'm like, our new goal, yeah. like not just get back in, but get qualified for the cup and get a home game, a home U.S. Open Cup game here in the Hudson Valley, oh, which is oh. never done. And Man. You know, you gotta you gotta get a lucky flip of the coin with U.S. soccer to get to get that home draw. But that that's my that is my new dream for for Stockade. Um, so that's that's, awesome. that's, I'd be, that's that one. I want to get four thousand people together so in a cool. stadium up here and be like, see this? This is oh. lower soccer in the Hudson Valley. This is what it looks like. You just got me that's super. Great. That's for that. So. Yeah, no, that'd be so cool. I gotta gotta ask. A few questions. This is a small world tradition that we ask all of our uh, podcasters uh, or podcast guests. That is, uh, I'm going to ask you to describe your childhood in a few ways, and this is just to get to know you in kind of a fun way. Uh, but we are running out of time, so we're going to do it uh, kind of in a speed round. So, I'll have you describe your childhood in just one food? How would uh, one food, mac and cheese? You could describe it in just one. There we go. Yeah, no, that's a that's a pretty popular one. Uh, it's just hot dog. It, from, from uh, yeah, that's, that's right. Yes, the the mac and cheese, the hot dog. That was that was a um, more one. I don't, I don't think I get that one again. That was uh, uh, I believe I Mississippi. Was trying to get one TV show for me. One TV grow, growing up? Yeah, one TV show growing up. Uh, Chips. Chips okay. is motor, motorcycle cops. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's that's honestly a pretty fun one. That's 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 pretty cool. I, I like well, that. I like that. Like, now, usually you get like cartoons. Oh, it's either it's either Chips, G.I. Joe, or okay. um, Knight Rider. Man, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you watched some pretty cool shows as a kid. You, you know, the, the action and stuff. I like that. I like that. That was because that was before Nintendo. Then once Nintendo came out, then it was just all Nintendo. Right. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, they, they took over that space. And then in one phrase, childhood in one phrase. Oh, just in general, one phrase? Yeah, just one phrase. Um, uh, playing in the woods. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah, again, this is this is going along with the theme of of Dennis Crowley really enjoyed action on on his <laughs> yeah. television shows and in real life, and and now in lower league soccer, he's tr trying to get some U.S. Open Cup action uh, into the Hudson Valley. That's I think that's that's what we got to take away from this. Um, but yes, it Dennis, I cannot thank you enough. This has been a fantastic uh, opportunity to get to know you better, to get to know Stockade. Uh, and to just run through some some lower league soccer this week, really really appreciate you coming on. And uh, uh, yeah, so so how can people follow Stockade as we close this up? Yeah, we're um, we're on all 
all the social media channels you know and love. You can find us at, at Stockade FC. Uh, additionally, we're always, you know, the best way to support a club like ours is to is to buy merch, right? Like I was wearing my hat before. I got our special, you know, COVID edition t-shirts. You know, stay home. All, all this stuff is on our website, uh, stockadefc.com. Yeah, they have excellent merch. Go check all of it out. And if you're in the area, uh, definitely go catch a match. Um, but yes, Dennis, once again, thank you so much. It has been an absolute pleasure uh, to have you on the show. And it's been an absolute pleasure uh, to bring all of you listening this week's edition of Small World Soccer Report. We will see you guys again on Saturday. I know this is a, uh, a weird time to be releasing an episode, but we're doing this to catch you up. Get two in one week because we missed it last week. Um, so very excited to bring you uh, what we've got coming next. Thank you all for listening as always. And stay weird, everyone. Thanks for having me on the show.